A podcast network. Welcome to the final episode of Mormon and the Meth Head. This episode was recorded two years ago in Sedona, January of 2018. It was like the fourth episode we had ever recorded. It was recorded the same night as Aaron's on Acid and for patrons, Aaron's still on Acid. I was supposed to record an intro with Aaron for this and we forgot. And we also would have needed to listen to it in order to record an intro for it. And we didn't. And I just did. And I hate it. (laughs) It's very cringy to listen to yourself from two years ago, especially when those two years have fundamentally changed who I am as a person. So I just wanted on the record that I don't agree with half the shit I say. I don't agree with my definition of twin flames. I don't agree with the way that I... Uh, speak with absolute certainty on things when I'm about to get my ass handed to me. That's kind of funny to listen to somebody who's like, everything's done. And it's like, oh, bitch, you are like just starting the roller coaster. It's just, it's cringy. It's cringy to listen to. So uh, take it with a grain of salt. And I guess it is cool to end it with this because I'm assuming this is what the first episodes sound like, but I would never go back and listen to those. So um yeah, I would love to not put it out, but that's not an option. So here it is anyway, I guess. Um, I was in a hotel room last week on December 21st, and we had just done our last comedy show together, our last stand-up show together, and I had gotten myself this cozy hotel room to just sit by myself and process the release of this portion of my life. And I do this thing sometimes where I go back a year and I'm like, would I believe myself if you told, like, would I believe you if you told me this is where I would be? Do I feel like I've gone further? Do I feel like I've accomplished more whatever? And I realized that a year ago, December 21st was a night that I was in a hotel room with Aaron. Uh, We were there for his birthday in Baltimore. And we had this night that was amazing. It was one of my favorite, one of my favorite nights. I don't think he liked it, but one of my favorite nights together. And this weird thing happened at like 5 a.m. We were on acid, obviously. And um, I had this moment we were like laying on the bed and, and like the camera pulled back and I was in the sky looking down at us and this voice, this weird narrator that shows up. I also talk about the narrator saying something in, in this episode the narrator said, you're going to look back fondly on this time you had with him. And then he gets up to go to the bathroom and I start crying and I say to the narrator, well, wait a second, you're making it sound very temporary. It's not temporary, right? And then the narrator doesn't respond. And so here I am 365 days later, I'm in this hotel room, I'm by myself, I'm processing the end of this journey in my life. And I realize that the narrator is right. I do look back on that time with him fondly, and it was very temporary. Thank you for sharing it with us, you guys. Enjoy. If you put a woman and a man together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all just so read our friends, listen to them talking to Mike. Mormon and the Meth Head, Mormon 
this will be uh no one will ever hear this until uh oh this isn't we're not doing the real podcast right now i was i was in podcast mode you want to talk about well i can't talk about just dropping acid you can't talk about dropping acid on Mm -hmm. the podcast remember i'm sober all right well then why the hell (laughs) you said that we would uh record it and then release it later as a i said that Mm -hmm. yeah you finished the sentence when you said it. <laughs> um, well, listen, we can do a, a recording that's just for us. It's just for us to uh, to to listen to and reflect on. Mm-hmm. But I also want to do some podcast recording. And I think that a, a, a podcast episode should be about Aaron's first time doing acid. Yeah. We're, that's a golden opportunity right there. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll just pretend that you are sober as we do it. Is that the? Well, we just want to address it. But you won't. When I talk, when I like talk about like we are walking around Sedona, laughing our asses off. You don't want to. Yeah. Fuck. I really don't like being in the closet about anything. I just don't ever want anyone to like get high and use me as an excuse. Why? Yeah. I'm not an addict. You're not an addict. But there are addicts, and I like a lot of people that I know and care about are addicts, but I'm not one of them. And uh, early on, I thought, "Mm, a lot of this doesn't resonate for me. I was never doing drugs against my will. Um, I was having fun, and then when I decided I didn't want to do it anymore, I stopped doing it, and I thought drugs were great. And uh, I never felt imprisoned by them. But then I looked at my life and was like, okay, but look at how crazy my life is. Obviously, I'm a drug addict. Look at the things I, don't I was have willing teeth. to do. Yeah. yeah. Look at the things I was willing to do for drugs or whatever. But I, I, I was having fun. Even when it wasn't, even when it was dark, it was, it was experience. And it was outside of the cookie cutter reality that was fed to me as a kid that I felt so dis- disillusioned by. So, but I got into recovery and thought, well, I guess I'm not going to get too sober. And then... uh, Not too sober. Yeah, like I just thought like none of this makes sense, but why argue it? You know, I did want to get sober. I wanted to get my life together. Okay. And then kind of how when you left the church, um, there's that process where you're stepping out and you don't know if you are lying to yourself. You know, so there was like a point where, because in recovery, they say like your your addiction is doing push-ups in the background. So even if you think you're fine, your disease is doing push-ups in the background, just figuring out how to like trick you into getting high again. It was terrifying. Yeah, man. That's how they used to... Listen, this should be a podcast episode, right? I want it to be. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. Listen, everyone, don't do drugs. Except do them, because I am, <laughs> I am having a great time. Uh, but I... I've talked to you a little bit about how I went to 12-step meetings mm-hmm. um, prescribed by my bishop for pornography. This is a, a big deal in, in Mormon communities. And yeah, man, they my whole takeaway from, from that experience, well, I had several takeaways, and I guess it's kind of too hard to just sum it all up into one thing. But why do they make it? 
everything that they said about my addiction made it a quote unquote addiction, right? Made it worse. My addiction was fed at the 12 step meetings, man. They, cause they, all they did was talk about how scary your addiction was and how at any moment it could come back. And like, I did this to myself. I would talk all the time about like, Oh man, Oh, I'm never going to beat this, this addiction to pornography. And it's a, uh, and I would, but like, I don't know. I don't think I don't think that uh, my ad- addiction is doing push-ups yeah. in the background. I don't think you had an addiction. I think you right. had normal sexual desire that was shamed. And so, but do you think that that? So then, I guess, do you think that that is a good? Uh, I think that there are analogy? people who have the disease of addiction, and I'm do you think that? And do you, those people that are actually addicted? Is telling them that their their addiction doing push ups in the background. Yes, is that and helpful? here's exactly why I, I I have wanted to never be public about not thinking that I'm an addict. Because people whose disease is doing push ups in the background, like people who can't see a lot of people say like, Oh, I can do things in moderation now and that's just uh they just can't wait to go do them. Where like I have no desire. I'll do psychedelics every few years and then other than that I give two fucks. I don't want to be fucked up. I could, I could get high every day. I could drink. I don't want to. So I don't want, uh, so like someone whose disease is doing pushups in the background would be like, well, I've had my life together for two years. I can smoke crack. I can smoke crack just on the weekends. And that's kind of what it's talking about. So when I, I started kind of breaking away from meetings and then starting to seven years in, consider the possibility that uh, I think I don't get fucked up because I don't want to get fucked up. I don't think it's because I can't. Um, I think it's recording. It is recording. I kind of want to stop it. Hold on. I feel like uh, I've already said thing like things that I regret about addiction that I and I feel like you're right. Like this does we should be careful about what we're what we're saying here, and mm-hmm. maybe we should start over. We can do this podcast about uh, Aaron's first acid trip. You can be. We can still have all these same conversations though, where I ask questions about, uh, you know, what addiction and stuff is. But uh, uh, I don't know. I already feel bad. I already feel bad about stuff that I said. I'm like, well, my addiction isn't doing push-ups. You know, it's completely different uh, scenario. You know. Yeah. Did you really think you were a, uh, an addict? Oh yeah, man. They con- they told Did, me. Do you though? Do like I? Male? Do I think? Yeah. No. 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 I think there's an addiction cycle, and I believe that religious guilt was feeding that shame spiral. Yeah. And then I. I went and I found like I don't know uh, that was that was all if they had taken out the shame there would have been nothing and instead I spent I don't know how many years how many years being just let's say since like a like 11 or 12 when I first when I first started like watching the pretender with my dad and like a woman was in her underwear and then like I went to the bathroom after that to like figure out what's going on here uh and then turning 12 getting the ironic priesthood going to ge- uh, priesthood session of general conference for the very first time and hearing the prophet gordon b hinckley talk about 
the evils of pornography and masturbation. And I was like, that was the first time I'd like got a word for it. You know, of what, of what I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. I'm already a disgusting, vile, what a brilliant tactic for controlling people. Just take your most base instinct, your most natural, and then use it to make you feel shame. So convince you that that's what's wrong with you. Yeah, and then for the next uh at least like 15 years god, 15 years I was just I did I I had behavior that mimicked that of addiction is what I think. Because of that that cycle, right? And uh just being the guilt of feeling like an awful piece of shit and then like my thing to do when I'm feel like an awful piece of shit is then I look at more pornography and right. and punish myself for that <clears throat> and, and jerk off and then feel uh worse and just feel hot shame and like that's what I was addicted to was just that awful I was addicted to this just awful terrible feeling of just hating myself well, that that's actually very similar some of that very similar to the cycle of addiction yeah I think it like I was saying I don't think that uh I don't think anyone can. I don't. I don't want to speak for anyone else. I I find it hard to believe that you that a person could be addicted to pornography. And I think a lot of the stuff that Mormons and that fight the new drug use is all just like is just pseudoscience, where they just learned what one part of the brain was called, and they're like, "Did you know? <laughs> have you have you heard about endorphins? Have you heard about them? Because listen." Uh, uh, Endorphins are released like a, <laughs> uh, pornography and also when you do heroin. So <laughs> the science proves that naked women is just as addicted as cocaine. If I not think... more if not more so. There's so many like and I and I believed all that stuff for a long time. Uh, uh that was that's and now I do actual drugs uh yeah. and <laughs> they're fine. This is the whole. So this, are we? Do you think we're still recording, <laughs> or do we? Do we st- like, look? We'll just. I think people. We I think had people decided like, we were going to record it, and we would listen to it after we were sober and decide what the fuck. And end. It might just be saved. As, it might just be saved. And, but I think people are going to like this raw honesty. Uh, we are. Uh, I am on acid right now. <laughs> We are. We're both. We're, we're, both, we're, on we're both on acid right now. It's my very first time. My very first time being on acid. And everyone freaked me out, Jessa. Everyone freaked me out. They said that I needed to take this seriously. And they said, they were, everybody said so many things about acid that got me worrying. And guess what? It just, it just, it's, it's just, just makes fun. It just makes bushes more interesting. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad is ha- everyone is like, be careful, you don't have a bad trip, Aaron. You gotta plan ahead. You gotta have a whole day set aside. You gotta make sure you're in a safe place. You gotta make sure you got someone else there with you who's gonna guide you through it, who's not gonna be on on acid. <laughs> that also, sounds terrible. Don't, don't go out at night in the desert in the cold. Don't do that. <laughs> I did all of those things and it was fine. All I did was just have a great I'm just I'm just I'm just high. That's it. Like I'm just like in a great mood. Everything is funny and bushes are so interesting. Like, look, there was a moment 
when I turned my flashlight on finally and like but the music was still playing, it was Modest Mouse was playing. <laughs> and and I turned the flashlight on and the 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 bush was making an interesting shadow and then I was just like make I was just moving my my flashlight around so that it would make the shadow dance and I just stood there forever just being like oh yeah get it shadow get it bush get it bush get it bush get it get it and uh I think acid's amazing <laughs> I can't believe I waited so long so I I have a joke about how I um did acid before I, I did coffee because <laughs> that's how Mormon I am. I was more scared of coffee than acid. And it's still, it's essentially true, but I, I bought the acid a long time ago. Oh, really? I, I bought it a long, long time ago and then everyone freaked me the hell out about it. Every, I was just like, I was just going to take some acid and they're like, you can't just take <laughs> acid, Aaron. <laughs> and I'm, I am, you know, like a naive high school freshman at this point. So I take everyone at their word and I'm like, everyone seems to be really nervous for me doing acid. So I guess I should wait until I have a day. And then when you said like, Hey, we're going to on this trip, we're going to go to Sedona where there's vortexes of energy. And I was like, can I bring <clears throat> my acid? that I bought? <laughs> Oh, what a perfect place to do acid. It was great. It's the best. Guys, we watched the sunset. We went up to this vortex, which is called the airport vortex. And me not having researched anything about this place before I came to it, I was like, is this a metaphorical airport? Or are we, are we literally <laughs> next to the Sedona airport? Are we going to be watching planes take off while in this into this vortex? I think the airport is just the one helicopter. Yeah, where like it says that the airport's like here's where the airport is, but it is just we didn't see anything take off, just no. that one helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh god. Anyway, we watched. We went up to the airport vortex, and we watched the sunset, and we watched all these gigantic, beautiful, unique rock formations light up into a hundred different colors as the sun set every 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 minute they were different colors you know we were what were we looking out at uh the the two buttes the double buttes i guess and then cathedral rock and uh and some other stuff that was beautiful and then we we found a we just went on, on a, our own path we tried to feel the energy of the vortex and we were drawn to this one spot that had a spiral, a spiral of rocks, and we just like stood in there, and we stood in there, and we couldn't. It felt like like there were times when I was like, okay, the sun's going down, and we should leave, but my feet were just stuck there. I was like, no, I can't. I'm not ready to leave yet, and we just stayed. And the sun went all the way down, and I was like remembering the advice that my friends had given me just last night. They were like, make sure whatever you do, don't be caught out in the, in the woods <laughs> at night on acid. But I was like, wouldn't it be so cool if we could just watch the stars for a little bit, like watch the stars come out and we just stayed and the, the sky got darker and the stars got brighter. By the time we left, there were 8 billion stars in the sky you could still see these light orange hues coming off of the horizon, you know, at the edge of of 
the landscape and you could just see the whole Milky Way. And we just stood there and just danced with stars, felt small and felt powerful and felt love, felt just happy, happiness, just pure, happy energy. And all you pussies out there <laughs> were like, oh, you you be careful with acid, man. It's great. Are we I, eating more? Yeah, we should. I don't want this to stop. Yeah, we should do it now. Well, that isn't this now. That's that's how addiction starts. <laughs> this is. I do feel strange, um, because I know that this is territory that is really tough for some people, and uh, I don't think about that at all. I'm just like, yeah, dr- all drugs are fun. Let's try everything. I want to try everything. Uh, there are a few you should leave out. Should I? Yeah. I you've said such good things about meth though. Um meth's great. I don't think you should try it. Mm. And um I you're the type of person that could try it and get away with it, but I just wouldn't. God damn it, don't tell me these things. <laughs> um no See, hair. Here's, the, here's the thing though. Maybe I am the best at everything, at every drug. Everyone's like I I don't understand. I'm I'm constantly surprised how me and my Mormon tolerance uh, handle every drug better than all of my friends do. I'm just, uh, I was built, I was built for this shit and I've been spending my whole life celibate and, and sober. No one's going to, we're not releasing this podcast, hmm. are we? <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me your experience up on the mountain All right. in the vortex. So, uh, I'm standing, we're separated. You, when you found that thing, I was by myself. And we were completely like out of each other's view. Yeah. You couldn't, I, I had I no idea where you, you were yeah. and it was silence. It was complete silence. And, uh, since the other night in the car where we had the conversation where you said, yeah, if, um, like I could leave, I could leave you and it wouldn't. Gosh, you have not stopped thinking about no. that. And, um, I said what, what we said was. That it would be, it would be easier for me to move on. I said from our that I feel disposable to you, and um, and you said, yeah, it would be easier for me to leave. Than it would be for you. That's all I was saying. Yeah, and then you said, but uh, I don't want to leave. Whatever, and I was fine with all that part. But um, there has been a dynamic in our entire friendship for the last few months where I have felt like. And obviously this has gotten projected onto a million different things, but I have felt like um, it was this gigantic transformative thing that was happening for you um, and that you felt um, that I was that I was facilitating. Yeah. It was this gigantic transformative thing that was happening for you mm-hmm. that um i was facilitating not in a like it was facilitating but and i felt like i never felt like you were attached to me because of it because i was f- because i just viewed you as a facilitator of my own thing or what so it has always felt like kind of like i felt like an object that you thought you could live with or without 
And um, that conversation the other night, I did a lot of thinking and um, a lot of like feelings. And so tonight I'm sitting on the um, on the rock and my brain is trying to figure it out. And so um, it was like a third party said that you loved him so perfectly that he never had to feel attached or afraid of losing you. And then it all kind of started to come into focus. And then you just called out of nowhere. Like I was just having this, I'm crying. And then you said, twin sister, come here. And I went up and sat on the thing with you while you figured out what to do with your plant. And it felt like it was our... I don't know, like I was I was in that space like it was ours. That rock space? Yeah. The rock space was ours. But like the, the, the experience that was happening was ours. And then when we stood up, I think after we decided you didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, let's just stay. Yeah. Cause then I was like, and oh. then the next time I cried, um, I was telling you, I didn't think you'd ever get here. In the office, you were telling me? Mm-hmm. Why did you... But you always knew that I would get here. You've always said that you've seen it, that you No, knew I'm it. not talking about the last three months. I'm talking about the entire time I've been on this fucking planet. Mm, Jessa... I'm sorry you felt alone all this, this whole time. Uh. It was, um, it was only ever me. I don't know what that's like. You know, I feel like I just got here. Then after that, I could see uh, suddenly I saw. I don't know. There was like a there was like a like you fully arrived. And we were fully together. And then I saw which I already saw, I think, but I saw more clear than ever before, like how you're the you're the part of me that has his feet on the ground and I look at how much you experience, like, life in the moment and in the reality and how far, how hard it is for me to, like, have my feet on the ground. And when we were out there in, like, staring up at the stars and stuff, like, I just, I knew that I was floating, like, so much further and then when we talked about seeing energy and stuff like like I'm the air and you're the earth mm-hmm. and all the things that I love about you so much 
are your abilities to navigate things on the earth. And also that I watch football. Yeah. <laughs> That's yes. what you told me today. <laughs> like, I love that you like football. And I was like, no, you don't. No, was, <laughs> you hate everyone who likes football. <laughs> and you're like, well, I love I love that there's uh, something about you that I don't like. I was like <laughs> <laughs> that was a all long right. way around for all, a joke. All right. I'll turn off the football game. Um, so you didn't. <laughs> Yeah, you don't tell me for a walk. Um, The fuck the energy thing. I think like, yeah, I feel like there are a lot of things that you are about that like I wanted proof of for like I wanted to see for myself. I wanted to. I wanted to see you move objects with your mind and like and and, and manipulate energy and like all this kind of stuff, right? And I got like little and there were tastes of stuff where like when you were doing like chakra stuff on me and whatnot when I was like, Okay, I feel something. There's a there's a or when we like the first time that you and I got close to each other and we were like, Whoa and I and you talk to me about it later and I was like I could feel like there's like a vibration thing you know so I, I was interested to know way more about your world and all these crazy things and then I just didn't it just didn't matter anymore like the yeah. when I when then I became your friend and I was like all right so tell me about this stuff I was expecting to then be able to see all the energy stuff you say you can see and be able to 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 be in tune with this and that and it even like how you're in the office and stuff. Uh, and I'm not, and it doesn't bother me at all. It, I, I just sit, I'm like, I don't, when I watch you playing with energy that I can't see, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't go like, I'm not like, there's nothing in me. There's not a single part of me that thinks, that you aren't doing it. Like I think that you're doing it and I just can't see it. And then I don't, but I don't feel jealous or angry or, or, or weird about why I can't see it. It's just like, that's the thing that my twin sister does. And like, I'm, I am, uh, I'm doing my thing over here. Like, and I'm, I'm the feet on the ground guy and you can be the, the head in the clouds guy. And, uh, and I just like getting to hear your description of what head in the clouds is like. Yeah. I just, I'm like, wow, that's cool. I love it. I love it. Maybe one day I will get to do it, but I feel no rush. I feel nothing, no desire to be anything than exactly what I am right now. I feel like I'm perfect and complete and I don't have any... Uh, there's nothing missing. There's nothing missing. So I I don't know. There's if I'm making any sense when we listen to this later. It just feels like when I when I write everything out on paper and like write out our what's happening right now, I would assume that something would feel off to me. Yeah. I would assume that something would feel weird or that I wouldn't be feeling this complete and at peace with it. But I do. I am completely at peace 
hanging out with a person who does this with her fingers. <laughs> and and I doesn't like I feel like just that there's so many people in the world that I would be like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> How about you just go energy finger your own butthole because <laughs> shut up, like get out of here. And I, I've never, I, I've never felt anything but just like genuine peace around you, just genuine at home, uh, just peace. Even though you talk about things that I don't uh, see. Yeah. I like still know them. Yeah. You know, like I know them even though I haven't, I don't see them. Yeah. God, this will be like this. This will be such a great last episode to post after everyone's (laughs) listened to everything. And we are like, hey, guys, the whole time we were a secret uh, twin spirits wait what was it? we are the same soul uh housed in two separate bodies mm-hmm. what, how, say it say it really yeah one soul two bodies i remember you like wrote something out one time though and i was like okay <laughs> when, you, <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you put it like that <laughs> we sound insane <laughs> uh at the beginning of the fear-based reality we um split in half because this reality is about uh duality and dichotomy and good versus evil yin yin and yang and when in fact it's all one and so we split for the sake of the did everyone split do you think every soul that was playing this game split at the beginning of fear-based reality no no Uh, there's a lot of different schools of thought um so the idea is like uh in the dream that you had where you find your find your way back to source we find our way back to uh, each other, and um, trade back all of our stuff. And I and I feel like that was there was a big part of that happening in the rock circle. Absolutely, that was our like the you had talked about like people that read. Here's the difference between people that read books. About yeah. about witchcraft, yeah. about magic, and people that are actually are magic, is that we don't need no fucking books, yeah, to tell us. No, anything. someone who read books about magic would have gone out and tried to build something like that for themselves. You know how crazy it is that you went off the path, like how magic it is that you went off the path and climbed up onto that thing. There was nothing. Uh, that was just us wandering and wandering. And remember, we talked about let's just go where it feels good. And you found that perfect altar, which is exactly that, where that we were some, to That be. some jackass who read a book about magic made. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you want to do a, more acid, you need to get it now. I have to get it now? Yeah. Oh, all right. Um, I want to wrap this thing up, though, and then do a, do a real podcast uh, also. But, like, I love you so much. And I feel like my life and feel very complete and I don't know what I I just, I wasn't, I never really felt the missing that you felt your entire life. And I, so I feel sort of ungrateful that like I've just stepped into 
this this great you know like the, you know the reason why you feel more disposable to me is because i haven't been spending my whole life uh looking for looking for you and waiting for you like you've been feeling alone and waiting for someone else i and didn't it, think there was someone else but yeah I knew I was the only, I thought it was just the only one of me on the planet. And I didn't know that I missed you until you got here. Mm. I'm so grateful that like, you taught me so much stuff. And that you've opened up all these avenues for me. Worlds of possibility. I would just always think like, uh, he would be devastated if I was gone. Like, he just has no idea. <laughs> he would be fucking devastated if I went away. And that's what... But that's why I started crying, because, like, you have... You don't know that. Because I... I've never... If you were anyone else in the entire world, I would have made sure that you were painfully aware. <laughs> Because uh, that's your usual mo. Yeah. Um, but I think your big realization was that no, I. I mean, I won't. Even if now you left, I would not uh, mourn you or crumble because you loved me so perfectly that I had no fear of attachment with you. I had no fear of loss with you. I don't fear losing you. Yeah. I feel like if you did, oh no, actually I do. Oh, now I'm now I'm starting to do. I'm like I'm like I was like if I never talk to you after tomorrow, I was like no, that actually does hurt. That feels like it hurts. But I, uh, I feel you and I both have said that we think we are going to be like inseparable for a certain number of years, and then after that our we are going to like walk on like parallel paths. You know, we're going to yeah. go and do our own things. You're going to be like an aunt to my kids and uh, we're going to be on these other paths. But for a while we're going to be inseparable. And I think that when we do split, I'm not going to mourn you or anything because mm -hmm. uh, that's what, that's, that's what 5d love feels like. Yeah. This is five. This is what five D love is. This is completely different than what I felt with with uh, with my wife, Tabitha. <laughs> completely different. Where I was terrified to lose her. I hurt all the time, and I was scared all the time, and just still. I mean, like before today, I was just like just fear, just yeah. fear. But if you take out fear and it's just a love with no attachments, no expectations, it's just a complete understanding of one another. I'm like, I see you. I see you. And you see me. And I and we just love what we see. And we let the other person and we just let them be. We just let them be whoever they're going to be. And we just keep seeing them as they are. And we keep loving them as they are. Yeah. And so then, yeah. Then, I mean, it is, it's, I think, a hard concept to kind of wrap around. But 
I think disposable maybe isn't the word that we want, but uh, maybe just this kind of love is just, um, it feels just so permanent that it doesn't need to be permanent. God, I'm going to listen to this when I'm sober and be like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> but I think it's just a hard idea to try to to explain. So I'm going to try one more time. Do you have an idea of what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like us, our relationship, the way you feel about me feels eternal and unchanging. And therefore, it doesn't matter how long it lasts. Yeah. It doesn't matter how long it lasts. And this, if we, if you and I are, are, are friends for a few more weeks and that's it, uh, the, the, the love, this, this understanding that we have that keeps going. That's still, that's, that feels eternal and permanent. Um, I think, uh, I think Aaron has fully arrived and I think I'm very scared that I'll come down and I won't feel as as great as I do right now but right now I'm like there is no Tabitha there is there's nothing you were pretty much there before we did the acid yeah yeah I think I look back on the last few months and I all the sensations and the feelings and the or I felt like I was holding this space for you and now I look back and I'm like, oh, like, he arrived. We saw each other. I didn't realize that you were my twin. Even though when I woke you up, I just kept trying to segue the conversation back to Twin Flames when I was waking you up. That is true. And then we left Big Sky and I just, I felt like... There was this process where Aaron had to fully uh, arrive. And the closer you got to arriving, the more everything started to make sense and all the feelings started to make sense. And um, I got to a point where I realized that I had, like I felt like I was trying to get something from you or wanting you to see me in a way that, I don't know, and then it just, I just all came into focus. And I realized that I had exactly what I wanted with you. And today, it was, um, I feel like you gave me back what I needed to get from you on this trip. Do you know what that was? Just a piece of myself. Do you know which piece that was?
I think, I mean, like from you, I was taking all the strength and confidence and that's who you are. You're strong and confident, but I feel like, uh, something that you just didn't that you didn't want to admit and couldn't you know come to was just that uh that you that uh you weren't completely tough and you weren't uh completely strong because vulnerability is actually a strength like yeah. that uh you're so i am who i am People can people are, are going to get on board with this. They're going to love me, and that's exactly who I was not, and that's exactly why I love you. But you wouldn't. You you felt like if you admitted all the times that you were afraid, and all the times that you were just sad, and all the times that you're you were hurt that that wouldn't make you strong anymore. You know, you were worried about how people would think about you then. You have this this whole persona that's like, I don't care what people think. This, But you're like, I won't show any emotion because I do care uh, about what people think. Yeah. And uh, I luckily... Your twin, I'm just the biggest bitch. <laughs> I have no problem uh, crying in front of people. That's I, I mean. Well, you changed everything that I ever thought. Like I saw all these traits as weakness. And then suddenly I'm faced with my own reflection. And... You know, and I, I have see all of those things as strengths in yeah, you. Yeah, because I have that same attitude as you, uh, uh, but about like about, but I, 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 I don't know. I express them in different areas, and in my areas where you were very attracted to uh, me, like, a, and I, and I mean that like as in like a pulled yeah. to, yeah. When I started. Uh, getting really raw on Facebook. Yeah. And I was just, I was uh, unafraid to talk about uh, how fucking devastated I was. And that's when you were like, oh, who is this guy? Yeah. And you started following me on Facebook for that, for that reason. Um, and... It was that it's because for whatever reason, I had that amount of confidence and that amount of like, fuck everyone who's going to make fun of me for this. You know, like you're all idiots, that, but only about my pain. Yeah. Like I only had that everything else. I didn't have I wasn't confident in anything else <laughs> <laughs> whatsoever. But my pain, I was like, I, I'm not going to hide pain from anyone like if you guys are going to think less of me than, uh, fuck off. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was the most, oh, I was like, Oh my God, just so raw and candid. And I love that part. 
And I don't think I really thought about... I've never let a man cry. Yeah, you've talked to me about this. I've never let... Um, uh, I have a really hard... Like, I detach. Uh, and so we have... A, I have a friend that has cried and that... And, and I've it, it softened me a little bit, but it's something very difficult for me to deal with. And a man crying, yeah, men having emotions. Period. Mm-hmm. And uh, I seek out low, low, low emotional outlet men. Um, and that is not who I am. Mm-mm. I am a less talk about feelings kind and of I, guy. I like communicators like i want communicators yeah, always and i don't want like men that are like so uh I know fa-, you know what i mean like I, I don't want them like out of touch with their emotions but just like don't have a lot <laughs> um and i don't know but there's something about my reflection in you so that's what it was. That's what it was at Big Sky where I was like, how do you not know that you are the fucking baddest <laughs> in this fucking room? How and do you not see that? And now I do see it. You do see it. I do see it. I'm the baddest man in the room. The baddest man in the room. Oh, and I love it. It is great to walk around taller than everyone else we want to just uh, no this is going to come out wrong i'm not sure i'm not when i walked into the hotel today when i just casual it just very cat like i wasn't i wasn't being an ass or anything uh-uh. i just walked in mm-hmm. just very normally just walked in but like i walk in now and i'm drawing people to me yep and i and it's not like I wasn't doing it before. It's, I mean, I'm definitely doing it more and I'm better at it. I was doing it before and I just had such a low opinion of myself that I had no idea yeah. that I was doing it. Yeah. I would just, I would just brush off everything that like people, I'm like, oh, well, you know, people are just nice to me. <laughs> oh no, no. I just had, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. I guess I was just on tonight. That's no big, you know, uh, mm. But uh, just had no fucking idea. I had no idea because I lived in a system that that told me all the time about that just focused on everything that I wasn't and all of the shortcomings, because this is the whole thing about Christianity, Christianity before like Mormonism. Right. We don't believe I don't believe Joseph Smith. Got, uh, wrote, you know, had plates and wrote a book of Mormon. Okay. But where is your acid at? But Christianity, it's over in the back. Hold on. I'm making a point here. Don't move. We're about to wrap this up. Christianity is based on the belief that you're broken Mm -hmm. and that you have to be saved. And like fundamentally, uh, lawyer, my, my divorce lawyer, Pete, you know, he was the one that talked to me about this stuff the first time. Um, it was just like fundamentally 
I disagree with this whole religion because I was like focusing on all these little, these little inaccuracies in church history and like times where church doctrine has changed and stuff. And I was like, it can't be true. And Pete was like, no, no, no. Yeah, it's not true. But I, he just went to the heart of it. Like yeah. the plan of salvation, which is all Mormons talk about. He's like, here's what's wrong with that. And I was like, holy shit. That plan, yeah, the plan of salvation makes no goddamn sense. And then he was like, let's go back further. You need a Messiah? Like, you need a Savior? Why? Why? My whole life, Jess, they told me all the things that I wasn't. And they told me all the things that I wouldn't ever be unless I did this. Yeah. And lived in fear. And played your broker to uh, your connection with yourself. Yeah. And now, and and I mean, so I I really do think that my religious upbringing is one of the biggest reasons why I didn't know who I was. Right. Absolutely. I had no idea how good I was until I met you. I had, I mean, I was getting closer. I was waking up, but until I met you and I saw, and I I mean, like, it's only just been recently that I, that I was like, oh, okay, she's my twin. I didn't know that I was looking at a reflection of myself when I first, when I first started hanging out. I just, for whatever reason, you saw me as something so great and I believed you. Other people tell me and I don't believe them. You, I meet you once, you tell me all this stuff and I'm like, yeah, you know what? This, this meth lady has a point. (laughs) Huh. And, uh, but for whatever reason, I totally believed you. And then I took all of your confidence and all of your swagger adopted it as my own because it always was it was oh my god that moment when i was like hey twin sister you should come here i think you should come over here Mm -hmm. because i found that place and i had i was we were in our own quiet it's funny though i had no idea where you were but I, i felt you right here and that's where you were Upper, upper, outer, outer. <laughs> Are you? Did you just point to your upper left? Did no, you that's just, right over here. Oh, that's over there. Oh, so my, my bad, my bad. But yeah, I, uh, I found that place, and I wanted to be by myself first. I wanted to be. I just wanted to enjoy. I sat down cross-legged in this place that I found, which I don't think seemed magical to me at all until you just said it. I, to me, I was just like. This is a touristy place. I bet a million. I bet a million people have come here to made little rock circles. We were so far up off the path. We were so far up off the path. I think maybe. I mean the acid the acid maybe. is making yeah. us seem a lot further off the path than we were. We were like six feet off of the path. <laughs> but. I didn't seem, I just, but I did. I wanted to be there by myself for a second and I sat cross-legged and I just, and I just, I'm, I, I'm like returning there right now in my mind and I can see this whole valley and I'm watching the sunset and I just got to a point where I was like done being alone and I, and I just finally was like, hey twin sister, because I knew you, I knew you were Somewhere like within your shot. Yeah. And I knew yeah. that like I just couldn't see you. And then when you came up into that into that circle, I mean we didn't leave until I think we were done. I love you, Jess.
Let's do some more ass. Okay. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all address a radar fence. Listen to them talking to Mike. Podcast Network.